There are seven billion people walking the earth right now. There have been 5,000 people who have successfully summited Mount Everest. Just over 1,600 human beings have swam the English Channel. Today's guests are Doug and Susan McConnell. Doug is only the 48th person over the age of 50 to successfully swim the English Channel. In this two-part interview, Doug shares with us how the idea came up as a gag over a few glasses of wine to a commitment that changed the direction of his life. Uh, you know, the, the whole idea of the English Channel swim came up over a glass of wine one night, uh, I will be the first to admit. And, and, um, and, and we talked about it a day or so later, and I said, look, you know, this is, sounds like a fun, you know, sort of odyssey, but um, it's crazy. Yeah. It is really mm-hmm. nuts. And, um, uh, and I said, it's going to be a- But he could not have done it without his team, led by his wife, Susan stay in the water for 10 and a half hours, whatever Well, we had to count his strokes, too. We count his strokes for one minute every 10 minutes. Why? We keep a log because that tells you how your swimmer is doing. He tells us about the obstacles, namely sharks, hypothermia, and how he navigated past each one of them, and he sets the record straight of the old wives' tale of whether or not it helps to pee on jellyfish stings. Swim in... um, Uh, California, where we swam from Catalina Island to Long Beach, and um, I was stung hundreds of times on that, <laughs> and it was it was really tough. And oh, it was boy. and those were it's funny the the ones in in Florida felt like an electrical shock. The ones in California felt like a somebody holding a steam iron on you. It was hot. It Ooh. was. A, um, and- I hope you'll be as inspired as Kathy and I were when sitting down with Doug and Susan McConnell. Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. This is uh, Zen Parenting Radio. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding, for goodness sakes? Um, I always remember our motto. Sweetie, you want to say what our motto uh, the is? The best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Well done. Thank you. My darling. So I'm not sure what podcast number this is going to be. It's in the 330s, I think. Mm-hmm. But I don't know exactly when this is going to uh, take Tape. But anyway, so we have two very special guests. We have Doug McConnell and Susan McConnell, and they're here because we go to family camp with them. Yes, we, we've talked about family camp on the show quite a bit, you guys. So so what so, is family camp, sweetheart? Well, it's this. It's called Camp Edwards, and it's a place that we discovered through good friends of ours, the Lozers, who you guys know, because Manisha actually went to camp there when she was a little girl. She started taking her family there, and we followed suit. And it's one of our favorite places to be because it's where there's a lot of... There's obviously a lot of nature, a lot of connection, and got a lot of getting to know people like this couple right here. There we go. So um, I was going to start with Doug, but I'm going to start with Susan. So Susan, welcome. Why um, get a little bit closer to the mic just so we can get... There you go. Oh, you know what? Susan's mic's not on. Doug's is. Mine's on, I think. Blame it on the producer. I was going to say, Todd, you are not prepared. That's me. It's nobody else. Um, So um, both of you guys have a role in why we invited you. But Susan, why don't you explain who your husband is and what makes him a little more special? special than the average Joe or the average Doug? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, he is, uh, he's a, a father, he's a husband, he's an investment banker, and he's an open water marathon swimmer. What is a marathon, open water marathon swimmer? What does that mean? Well, unlike pool swimming, you swim in the ocean or in lakes, and Doug does organized swims, which are unlike Diana Nyad, who made up her own swim. He follows a program and swims 
very difficult swims that other people have done, but not very many have accomplished. Okay. So, um, right. Yep. That was great. So uh, how, so, um, Doug, a marathon swim, does that mean you have to swim 26.2 miles or is a marathon swim like 13 miles too? Yeah, no, the, 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 um, we have done the longer ones, but the, 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 I think the definition that most people are kind of gravitating toward is any, any swim over a 10 K. Uh, and, and, uh, the, uh, there's a funny story behind that. The, uh, when the, um, there was an open water swim introduced to the Olympic games in 2008 in the Beijing games. Uh, and, uh, of course if, if the Olympics are really run by NBC mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, uh, NBC wanted to have an open water swim that was roughly equivalent in time, uh, to, to for the telecast, um, as the running marathon mm-hmm. and, um, and, and many top swimmers in the world can do a 10 K in about two hours. So that's how the, the 10 K became the marathon kind of distance or, or length, um, of a, of a swim. And, and, uh, and of course it's a, it's a sort of a discrete distance and, and so forth, but we've done some swims that are considerably longer. Um, but that's, I think that's kind of the, the that's definition that yeah. most people have used. So the reason I wanted to have Doug and Susan on, cause Susan is part of Doug's team and these marathon swims. It's not like it's a one-man operation. We're going to get into all that. But he gave us a presentation at Camp Edwards, and I was um, inspired. And I love inspirational stories. It's funny. I I read uh, the books I read are like stories of survival, like into into thin air is about the mountaineers going up on Mount Everest and all that. And I thought, well, like Doug's isn't really a story of survival, like climbing a mountain, but in a way, oh, it is. It's as much of a survivor story. It is as anything. That's the thing is because we feel like, oh, these are normal people, you know, people we know. But then you hear the story, and there's sharks in water. You yes. know what I mean? A lot of sharks. And there's jellyfish in water. A lot of things can go wrong. Yeah. Susan, can you attest to that? Are there are there things that might go wrong in a marathon swim? There are things that do go wrong. Things you can't control. Give me uh, just a few examples before we get into the specifics of the swims that Doug has done. You can't control water temperature. You can't control boat traffic. You can't control wildlife. You can't control getting sick. Mm. A lot lot of times the crew gets sick. And we'll get into this a little bit, but are you like, as your husband is trekking through all these things that that can go wrong... Are you like worried sick or are you confident or what is your state of mind when your husband's going on these crazy adventures? Well, we, I think we do a good job of controlling what we can control and knowing there will be unexpected things so that we're not surprised. Got it. That's, okay. Well, and I want to say, if, if I remember correctly from the story Doug told us at camp, he was doing this. This is his passion. And there was a day that you said, okay, we're going to do this, but I'm going to lead it or I'm going to be in charge of this team. Is that correct? Did I remember that correctly? Yeah. So he announced that he wanted to do these large open water swims starting with the English Channel. And to do that, you need a team. And typically it takes you away from your family. You that leave the that, fold yeah. because you your team is other open water swimmers. And I said, well, you can do it, but what, would you please consider making our kids your team? Mm-hmm. Was that a hard decision for you to make? I no, mean, no, in fact, it was, um, it was, we were talking on the way here. Uh, it was the stroke of brilliance that made the whole thing work. Oh, wow. And, and, um, uh, you know, the, the whole idea of the English Channel swim came up over a glass of wine one night. Uh, I will be the first to admit. And, and, um, and, and we talked about it a day or so later. And I said, look, you know, this is sounds like a fun, you know, sort of odyssey, but um, it's crazy. Yeah. It is really mm-hmm. nuts. And um, 
uh, and I said it's going to be a lot of time away and a big sacrifice and and so forth. And it and it was you know swimming the English Channel sounds like fun, but it wasn't something that had been on my bucket list since I was a little boy or anything. And so I said, look, if it's too much, then forget it. We'll do something else and 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 so on. And and Susan, who's not a swimmer, uh, it, it thought about it for a couple of days, and then she came up with this idea of incorporating our kids. It, it just, for that specific swim, it takes a couple of years of planning and training and so forth to get us to get on the list. Right. And a couple and, uh, of years of other open water swims to prepare. Precisely. And so the, um, uh, you know, she said, look, you know, we've got a couple of years, we've got all these kids and, and um, uh, the, the, uh, this might be a great, a great uh, opportunity for them and for really for all of us. And it just made all the difference in the world. And, um, and so Susan was the very logical person to kind of be in charge of the whole thing. And, and um, uh, well, it's worked beautifully. I, I would also, I would also say that um, uh, like you guys, we come from a suburb where it's an enormous high school um, and it's mega high school. Uh, yeah. And, you know, 3,500 kids or something. Yeah. And so it's difficult <clears throat> for young people to, um, uh, to kind of find their niche within, a, mm-hmm. you know, whether, you know, not everybody can be on the basketball team, not mm-hmm. everybody can be on the swim team. Um, and, um, uh, or and our kids the, happen to be awesome swimmers. It, it, yeah. But the, but the, um, uh, you know, or be in the spring musical and all those kinds yeah. of things. And so this was a way, um, I think that she identified that our kids could be part of something and, and, um, uh, and, uh, and really make a, a differentiation and, and so forth. It's been, it's been, well, it was brilliant. So it was a way your family can stay connected. Go ahead, sweetie. Well, and that's what I was going to say is because obviously I was inspired by your story uh, with that alone. But what I said to Todd after I listened to you is I said, what was so key for me, besides the fact that you had the family connection, everyone was involved, is that your children got to see you live your dreams. Yes. You know, like uh, always, a lot of times we are looking at our children and trying to live through them vicariously. And... And we still we always do that a little bit because we get involved in what they're doing and we enjoy it. But they they see that things continue and they go on in your dreams. It, it, things don't end when you're 45. You know, there's there's so there's so much life to live, and for them to not only see it but experience it with you guys. That's where I was like, this is too cool. Um, go ahead, Doug. You were about to say uh, something. Just one other quick note on the on the English Channel swim. The the um, the conditions were dreadful. I mean, it's it's hard to be on one of these crews anyway. Yeah. But um, made worse by the fact that it was pitching seas and big waves and really unpleasant stuff, and um, uh, and really everybody on the crew uh, was had terrible motion sickness and and so forth, except for one of our kids. And um, uh, Gordy was. 17 at the time. I think he was about to be a senior in high school. And, um, uh, and, um, Gordy didn't have any troubles with uh, motion sickness and, and all the rest. And, um, and, and Gordy really stepped up in that swim. And it was, uh, it was interesting because half of the swim was in the middle of the night where it was just so dark, you couldn't see anything at all. And it's a little freaky to be the swimmer in the, you know, the dark and whatnot, but, um, uh, to be, to be in the water and on every stroke, on that side of the every breath on that side of the of the boat, um, I could see Gordy standing there, and I st- mm. to this day I can see the silhouette of him mm. standing there, and and he never left that rail, mm. and um, uh, now I'm going to start to cry. I was going to oh. say so am I. I'm like oh, was, like you said, you'll forever in your head. Yeah, he was like your guiding light. So I'm going to ask you an unfair question. So first thing, a little background: There's seven billion people on this earth right now, okay. give or take, right? How many people, my sweetheart, do yes. you think has climbed Mount Everest? 
Give me oh a, gosh, there's been a lot. Five thousand. Yeah, five thousand yeah. people or so have climbed Everest. Um, how many people do you think have swam the English Channel? Oh, I have no idea. Thirteen hundred people. Since wow, that's a lot less than Mount Everest. Right. So about a quarter. Yeah. So the the point of this is people are like, oh my God, you climb Mount Everest. Come talk to me when you swing the swim the English Channel. <laughs> now, well, and there, I was going to say, isn't there a thing about there's an age thing too? So that's the other thing. So, uh, Doug, when you swam the English Channel, how old were you? Fifty-three. You're fifty-three. You were the forty-eighth person. Oh my gosh! In the history of human beings. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's enough to like stop the podcast right here. I mean, that's just an unbelievable mic. feat of human. <laughs> Resilient. I, I can't believe it. Now, the other thing is, I want to get into this. I want to get into it later, but you're not, um, and hopefully you don't think that this is an unkind question, but you're not like a ripped, strongly huge, you know, like no body fat guy. People get in their mind a vision of what an athlete is, and athletes look very different than what we see in the media. Well, and I think that, you know, we, we are introduced, um, most of the world are reintroduced to swimming once every four years with the Olympic Games. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and those, those, I mean, they, I was about to say those kids, um, they are tremendously gifted mm-hmm. athletes and so forth. They're so well-trained. Nutrition is perfect. Everything is right. And you're right. I mean, they, you know, zero body fat types and and so yeah, forth. Yeah, but those aren't distant swimmers. Right. right. And right. they're not cold water swimmers. And uh, and uh, especially when you talk about a swim like the English Channel and some others, uh, cold water is a huge issue. Mm-hmm. And and um, uh, to be acclimated or to have your body chemistry sort of change to be able to uh, accommodate for that um, is um, is a challenge. And, and it's not for everybody. You, sh- you know, you go to you go to um, a place like Dover Harbor, where a lot of marathon swimmers train. Um, and, um, you know, it's like people you'd see on the subway. I mean, they're pudgy, and they're, you mm-hmm. know, they're different shapes and sizes and, and so forth. Uh, but, um, but that's really the kind of the, the physique that you find in marathon swimming. Got it. Um, big so, people. Big people. Bigger. So, and you got like big shoulders, but you know, you're, like I said, you got a gut just like most other 53 no, year old. I mean, I don't know. Let me see. <laughs> I'm like, no, he doesn't. I, was I mean, my you're... point is I'm thinking of like the Olympic swimmers. They're just shredded. He is. He's a normal looking. He's an investment banker. And if you saw him as an investment banker, you'd be like, yeah, that's what he does. Right. You wouldn't say, hey, are you a marathon swimmer? But exactly. you're in lovely right. shape. Thank Doug. you. Todd is like throwing you under the bus over no, I'm here. Not. So I'm going to ask you an unfair <laughs> question. You trained for this for years and I need you to compress your story of swimming the English Channel in a few minutes. So can you do your best to tell me the preparation, the challenges, the surprises, the successes, the expectations? I mean, just do your best for and both Susan, too, Susan yeah. and Doug. Yeah, we, we had a lot to learn. I um, Was this uh, your first big one? No. Uh, okay. We had, um, uh, I was a swimmer growing up. I started as a six or seven-year-old uh, with a YMCA program and, and park district program, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then was able to, um, uh, to walk on as a college swimmer. Um, and uh, had great fun doing that, and and um, uh, it, it had good luck with it, and so forth. Then, as as I w- you know started a career, and Susan and I met and were married. Um, you were captain of the swim team. I was that yes at the University of Illinois. Oh, go, go Illini! Yeah, um, and um, not just to uh, walk on. <laughs> yeah, she's like, do not downplay your success, please. That's what that's what good partnerships do, right? There we go. There we go. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, uh, so so uh, then got into open water events uh, many years later and, and really had a lot of fun. It was kind of a new challenge. It was an excuse to stay training, and I love the training. And um, uh, so it was, um, uh, you know, one thing kind of leads to another, and the, the, the distances get a little longer, and the, and the travel gets a little more, and, and so forth. And then it was, we started to talk about this English Channel idea without knowing really anything about it. Um, the um, uh, one thing kind of led to another. We did a lot of um, research and and uh, so forth. I was uh, was training with a guy, a very close friend, and it was fun to be able to kind of train together and and so on. Uh, we where was our first swim? Tampa Bay. It was, and uh, so we we swam the spring of '011. Uh, we did a we did kind of a shakedown cruise for the English Channel swim, which was later going to be later that year, uh, <clears throat> and we swam the length of Tampa Bay, uh, made the um, made the which is twenty four miles I mm-hmm. think and, yeah um, right here oh there you go it and says it. Uh, <laughs> Todd's following his notes yeah <laughs> and um, uh, but it was it was a it was a great way to make sure that everybody on the crew knew what you know what they were doing and all the practice was kind of coming together. It was a good way to test out our nutrition plan which. Mm-hmm. Which is a real key element of one of these things, um, and um, uh, and just to kind of get the stroke counting cycle and the and the um, uh, the the uh, escort boat thing squared away and and so forth. So real quick, I just need to bring some perspective. To this, you are you're basically describing you did spring training for the real thing English Channel, and your spring training was a twenty four mile swim. Mm-hmm. That is beyond what most people can even conceive of. Like a marathon is running 26 miles. To swim that distance, just think in your head how far that is. So when we did the triathlon, I did the half. So that was a half mile. You did a half mile. Okay, that was hard. (laughs) (laughs) A half mile swim is a long swim for me. I don't know. It takes me a half hour or something like that, 45. At Camp Edwards, that's to Buck Island. Yeah, I can get Uh to Buck Island, but I can't get back. Yeah, that's what makes (laughs) him nervous. It's a one-way trip for me. Because the Buck Island swim is when you swim from one place to another. And there's a bunch of little kids that do it, too. So there's all these boats kind of escorting these kids on the swim. And I'm like a 43-year-old man who is supposed to be able to know what he's doing. So all the boats were kind of hovering around the kids. And there's a point halfway there. I'm like, there's no boats around me. So if I sink, I'm dead. <laughs> Anyways. So I don't want to talk about my swimming when I have a marathon You don't want to talk about here. your half-mile swim? <laughs> no, okay. my half-mile swim. So, okay. So you did Tampa Bay. Right. And we learned a ton. Um, and, um, and we also learned things like uh, how unpleasant jellyfish stings can be and, and stuff like that. But the other thing that, and all joking aside, the, the, um, uh, there is a beauty that goes along with these swims that mm. you just simply cannot describe. And, uh, uh, and, and, and I think it was the Tampa swim where we were first sort of introduced to that and, and uh, being able to look down. And, of course, Tampa Bay is uh, beautiful, and it's, it used to be dirty, I understand. Now it's very cleaned up. Um, but um, to see manta rays... Um, Mm. You know, 40, 50 feet below you and stuff like that, sort of doing that beautiful undulation that they do. And, and flying fish. Uh, flying fish and, oh, and um, so forth. Can you appreciate uh, that when you're swimming? I mean, oh, you're absolutely, trying. Absolutely. Really. Oh, yeah. Is that and what keeps just, you going? He stopped so, and played with that flying fish. I did. That was true. Yeah. Oh, my and, gosh. Um, but the but the um, um, but it's just a, it you know different bodies of water of course have their different uh, uh, sort of elements yeah. and wildlife <laughs> and, and whatnot so it was um, that was great fun and and um, uh, and I think it, it gave us a lot a, 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 a lot of confidence that you know you could stay in the water for ten and a half hours whatever well we had it was. to count his strokes too we count his strokes for one minute every ten minutes why and we keep a log because that tells you how your swimmer is doing okay. 
one of the one of the real challenges, less so in Tampa Bay, but <clears throat> excuse me, in some of these other swims, is hypothermia. Mm-hmm. It, it, the, the cold water catches up with people. In fact, of the people who don't complete an English Channel swim, hypothermia is far and away the biggest reason why. So Got they it. need to have a consistent stroke count, so you know they're okay. Got one, it. one of the symptoms of getting cold is that your Slow stroke down. count falls. Uh, and I think in the um, jumping forward to the English Channel, the, I'm a I'm a sort of 60 strokes a minute guy. Um, and I think at one point in that swim, as I was kind of running out of gas, we got down as low as 54 you went or 53. Down, you went down almost 10. Yeah, and um, uh, which is okay. I mean, it's, you're obviously getting tired. But you consistently tired. went down, yeah. and you didn't go further. But if the mm. if the stroke count had fallen to thirty five, yeah, you know, yeah. you would that would really be evidence that something was wrong and, and so forth. So, as a safety precaution, and one of the things that we keep in a logbook that um, that the kids um, uh, maintain um, is this stroke count that comes up every ten minutes. So, awesome. So okay. there's a lot to do on the crew for sure. They're yeah. working. They're I, working. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. They have absolutely. to stay alert and awake and be. Pardon the interruption, folks. We'll get back to the show in just a minute, but I want to tell you about our three amazing partners. Are you looking to keep your family in alignment and healthy, ready to consider chiropractic care as a natural way to solve your health problems? Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care has kept our whole family moving on all cylinders for over five years now. She is dedicated to helping families reach their health care goals naturally. Mention ZPR for $20 off your initial exam and get ready to get your power cranked up. You can learn more by going to chirotree.com. Are your kids getting ready to the age where you're thinking about braces? Dr. Kelly will address your dental concerns and how they may affect your overall health, function, and smile. His specialty is treating adolescent children. Many orthodontists straighten teeth, but sometimes it's at the expense of your child's facial development. Dr. Kelly treated our three daughters and specifically how their smiles will develop. John is on the cutting edge of this technology. You can learn more by going to chicagodentistonline.com. And finally, do you have a housing project coming up? Avid Painting and Remodeling is your answer. Jeremy Kraft is the owner and is a good friend. He has the two most important qualities you can ever ask for in a contractor, professionalism and trustworthiness. Jeremy has done so many jobs for Kathy and I, we've lost count. So if you have a project coming up, I encourage you to give this bald-headed beauty an opportunity to earn your business by going to avidco.net. Now, back to the show. They have to stay alert and awake and be connected to what's happening. Um, so did Tampa Bay go well? I it mean, did. It did. We... Um, uh, we, you know, it was ten hours and forty-five minutes or thereabouts, and and um, uh, the the we learned a ton. Uh, we we learned about uh, how things can go wrong, mm-hmm. and you need to be ready as the as the CEO of the team can can um, can kind of uh, maintain. We did learn that it's a fallacy that you can't pee on a. Oh, on the jellyfish sting. <laughs> did you pee on them? Our kids did. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and they still tell a good story about that. that it's a Seinfeld episode they yeah. learned that from. It's a Friends right. episode, too, yeah. isn't it? I feel like it's been used yeah. a ton. So it's not true. Or it is true. It, it is works. not true, but we, but we learned that he needed to load up on antihistamines ahead of time. Ah. What does a jellyfish sting feel like? Depends on where you, the what body of water you're in. Um, the... Um, 
the Tampa Bay sting. Uh, I only was stung once on that swim. And um, do you know it um, instantly? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. You know, it was. It felt like a um, an electrical shock, like you'd get from a, a, an electrical receptacle. Um, I knew it immediately, and and so forth. Um, the um, uh, and I had these crazy allergic symptoms that Susan's talking about. Um, having grown up in the Midwest, who knew that you're allergic to totally. jellyfish? Yeah, you but, didn't uh, check for that. Yeah, right. right. So the um, uh, but I mean, you know, the, and of course, the English Channel was going to be our next big swim, and that was um, that's known for its jellyfish and and so forth. So we, you know, we kind of put that on the to do list of getting smart about uh, antihistamines and and so forth. How long so, did it take for you to? Uh, I mean, how long did the jellyfish thing affect you? I mean, was it the rest of the swim? Was it ten minutes? You gave was it a hundred strokes, right? A thousand strokes. A thousand. I thought that. I thought that um, uh, it really. It. I was sneezing uncontrollably. You know, the <laughs> the and it, which is kind of a pesky problem if you're swimming. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, Susan, could you tell he was sneezing? Like, yeah, but I happened to have a Sudafed in my backpack. And so I said, why don't you take this and see what it does? And yeah. he said, okay, then I'll, I'll give it a thousand And he's strokes. not allowed to get in the boat and take a break. No, he can't touch the boat, can't touch a human. Yeah. So, so There are rules it. to these swims. Yeah. That are pretty strict. And, Unlike and, um, Diana Nyad. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, um, uh, oh, so so the the bigger symptom with that jellyfish thing was that my stomach tied up really badly. Ooh. And, and um, uh, you learn pretty quickly on the nutrition plan that if you can't process calories, um, it's going to be a short afternoon. So the um, uh, that's Susan had the Sudafed. It just happened to be in her camera bag, and I ate those and, and kept swimming. And, and I thought that, you know, either the stomach is going to calm down or I'm kind of skunked. And, yeah. and um, so I gave myself another 1,000 strokes. And it was after the 1,000 strokes, it still wasn't right, but it wasn't, it wasn't bad. <laughs> Okay. enough to get in the boat so i just kept going and, yeah. and it worked out okay so i wonder if you were any better or you just learned to tolerate it after a thousand strokes um i i don't know the answer and yeah. it's a good question mind and over I, matter uh, there I, I the um uh i really didn't want to get in the boat right. i know that much yeah but the um uh then we did a swim in um <clears throat> uh california where we swam from catalina island to long beach and um i was stung hundreds of times on that time. and it was it was really tough and oh it was boy. and those were it's funny the the ones in in Florida felt like an electrical shock the ones in California felt like a somebody holding a steam iron on you it was hot it Ooh. was a, um and um and then we took a few um just a handful 10 or a dozen uh, on the Hawaii swim and those felt like like being stabbed with a jackknife oh. and um <laughs> um but again, they went away. I mean, it was 15, 20 minutes and, you you know, it was past you and stuff. So, the, um, it, you know, there are a couple hundred species of jellyfish, I understand, um, and uh, some of which are designed to really hurt you. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, and so far, we've been stung many times, but generally lucky. So I love it. He so says good. we've been. We. Yeah. yeah. It's I, like collectively yeah. in my if family. You count the four of us are sitting at this table. We've been stung and we've also swam the English Channel. He's, right. he's allowed us to live vicariously through him. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. So, all right. So you did Catalina, and then what happened next? Um, we um, uh, there's a there's a, a thing in marathon swimming called the Triple Crown, okay. um, which includes uh, the English Channel, the Catalina Channel, the one in in uh, uh, Southern California, and then a loop around Manhattan Island in New York. Okay. Uh, so East River, Harlem River, Hudson River, and um, so the. 
uh, we were able to wrap up the, the that third swim, the Manhattan swim in 014. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. So, and then did the okay. So English Channel happened in what year? Oh, 11. 11. Gotcha. And so. The fact that you are the 48th person over the age of 50 to swim the English Channel, was it, I mean, did you think that you were going to make it? Did you think you weren't going to make it? Did you have any clue? Did you have any expectations on what the results were going to be? It it, it never occurred to me that we wouldn't make it across. Um, And um, the, um, in fact, an old, uh, my old college swimming coach with whom I'm still very close um, asked me after that swim, he said, when did you know that you would make it? And I said, when I stepped into the water, I said, it never mm-hmm. occurred to me that we wouldn't get across. And, um, um, the, uh, so, you know, and it was, as Susan said, I mean, the, the, uh, the things sort of end up in your path and you have to deal with them. And, um, the, the, uh, the cold was an issue. The, the jellyfish stings are an issue. The, um, you know, dodging the freighters is an issue. You, know, you have a lot of, a lot of challenges. Um, that was our first and, night swim. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you would have made it if you didn't step into the water saying that you're going to make it? Like if you'd have been now, I think it's going to, like if you were just kind of hesitant or apprehensive, do you think you would have made it? I think you can if you've got the experience that tells you that um, that you can deal with those uncontrollables and, and so on. Um, the um, uh, You know, I don't think anybody could get in the water and say, I'm going to be doing this for the next 14, 16 hours, whatever. Um, I think that the the mindset of, as the mindset of the swimmer is, I'm only going to swim the next 30 minutes. I'm going to swim to the next feeding. Um, and I know that that's 1,700 strokes away. And so I know I can go 1,700 strokes. The feeding. So they give you a straw, like a big, long straw, right? Yeah, well, this is this is where the podcast doesn't work because the visuals are awesome. Yeah, he gave us a PowerPoint. We got to see a PowerPoint of how he got fed. So, yeah, But explain right. it best she can. Well, one of the rules is that you, um, you can't touch the escort boat and you can't touch anyone on the escort boat. So one of the things that, uh, in fact, it was that... Uh, Tampa Bay swim that the boys kind of figured out that uh, that they came up with a feeding stick, which was a a plastic basket on the end of a uh, paint roller extension pole, mm. and pretty low tech, but it worked beautifully because mm. it, um, it it meant that they could reach out with. The, the extension pole and hand me this liquid, this fluid that I drank that's very high calorie and so forth. It, you're, you're, you're trying to uh, accommodate for burning 1,200 calories an hour. So you're, you're consuming as many calories as you can in these, in these um, uh, stops every 30 minutes. So the um, we we brought our extension pole to you know the the feeding pole to with us to um, uh, to England, expecting to use that on the English Channel. And the next thing we discovered is the water was very rough, and um, and the boat pilot. I wish I could do the English accent, but the the boat pilot said you know to the boys he said you guys are going to kill your dad with that stick if you oh. try to use it. So they they very quickly put together a, a new solution that was um, the drinker bottle with a lanyard on a long line, yeah. um, and I, 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 I'm pretty sure there was duct tape involved. I'm not sure, <laughs> but uh, they, um, you know, it's kind of on the fly. They came up with a new solution. So they, um, uh, so every 30 minutes, the the boat stops. <clears throat> 
the um, they toss me this thing in a cold water swim. They warm up the water beforehand, and and um, and so forth. And it's a it's actually a custom made drink that I have made. Uh, that's um, the, again real high calories and and some trace minerals and and stuff like that. Relatively low protein. Unlike your runs and and um, uh, your triathlons and so forth, you don't really have to worry that much about electrolytes and, yeah. and those things. <clears throat> uh, but um, uh, it's just calories. So yeah. it's um, uh, you're pounding these calories. The the feeding stop, especially in a colder water swim, you want to keep it to 45 seconds or less, uh, just because the if you're sitting in the water, you're treading water during this time, um, it, it, you're liable to get cold, and the and if you get cold, the likelihood is you'll get out. So um, you try to keep these feeding stops fairly short, and um, uh, and you know another 1,700 strokes, and you get another one. Oh, so you so what time did you so you're going from France to England England to France other way around yeah you start on the Dover England side okay um, and uh, swim toward France we that swim started uh, a little before one in the afternoon um, and we finished at three in the morning. And was there a reason for that? Like, did you guys had time that out where you knew when you wanted to end, or was that how it has to be? Like, is that the time they say you have to start if you're going to do this for completion? You, you, you time it around a tide. Okay. Um, and um, <clears throat> the the English Channel is a narrow sleeve of water, and so the tides are a real issue. They okay. go up and down quite a lot. And um, uh, and so you because of that, you avoid a full moon where the tides are more dramatic and mm, so forth. Interesting. Um, and um, uh, so the, the, you're as likely to start at 1 in the afternoon as you are at 1 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, most of the swimmers that I had known who had, uh, had done that swim had started in the middle of the night and then swum into the daytime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I saw was sort of imagined that we would do. And then, as it turns out, we got a weather window, and the guy said, look, you know, if you want to do this, jump on it because, and, you know, be here at noon, and we've, so that's what we did. Interesting. So from yeah. a preparation standpoint, that would, you know, with most athletes, like, they know exactly when start time is, they know how it's going to take, you don't know any of this, like, I, I know with Hawaii, which is kind of the pinnacle of the stories that we're going to talk about, but you didn't even know when you're going to start, like, how much time do you have between okay, we're going to do it, to you actually starting? Well, it it varies uh, because so much of it is dependent on weather conditions and and the anticipated um, uh, water conditions and whatnot. We arrived in England um, expecting not to swim for a week. Uh, We we went to dinner that night, and and that's a whole different story, but uh, we we went to dinner that night. I called my boat pilot just to say, hey, we're in town, and, Mm -hmm. you know, let, let us know. And he said, I'm so glad you called. He said, because there's a, the only window for, weather window for the next week is tomorrow afternoon. So um, we swam the day after we arrived and, you know, and everybody was still loopy from jet lag and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, not exactly the, the um, uh, oh, and of course we had, we had had fish and chips, very greasy, fabulous oh. fish and chips the night before, which was not exactly the pregame <laughs> meal that uh, you would have chosen. But, um, uh, but that's why we were there and we were ready to go and, every, you know, the kids were a little wigged out. But um, um, you oh, know, we, were, we went out to dinner in a car where, you know, you drive on the left-hand side and yeah. we were having so much t- fun. The car's packed full of kids and we're laughing and 
Then on the way back, everyone was quiet. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They were like back in their head. They were like, "What we does have this to do mean? this now?" Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. But um, you know, but the, but that's the reason that um, that you do those training swims and and stuff like that. Um, uh, you know, we uh, at that point they were very experienced at what they were doing, and and uh, so we just got our heads on straight and went and did it. So when you accomplish this unbelievable feat of swim swimming the English Channel as a fifty three year old man, were was it? Were you just like, was it unbridled joy or was it exhaustion or was it all the above? Like, it's pretty amazing feat. And you, I don't know, do you think it's as big of a deal as I do? <laughs> and the rest of us? I, you know, I don't know. I, it's, um, um, uh, it was, it, it was extraordinarily uh, satisfying. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you're not real. I mean, you're, you, you know, when you finish a swim like this, you're pretty well out of gas. And so jumping around and, you know, high fiving everybody's not really on the on the list, but it's um, uh, the the English Channel is a swim where you the one of, again one of the rules is you have to start and finish on dry land, mm-hmm. and so um, if you can sort of imagine, we got to the we got to the finishing beach on the French side, um, and it was three in the morning. You couldn't see anything at all. It was just pitch black. And um, at one point, our boat pilot poked his head out the window of the boat, and he said. We're there, and I said, "We're, we're Lance. I don't we're see where? anything." Right. Yeah, exactly. And he said, "No." He said, um, "I'm in shallow water. I can't go any further." And um, he said, "And I said, I don't see a beach. I don't. There are no lights. I mean, we you know we think of of seashore with beautiful homes yeah. and street lamps and and things like that. There was nothing." And um, uh, and he said, I he had a spotlight like like you'd see on a police car. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to shine this light in the water. And he said, you just follow the oh light. Oh my God. And he said, in a hundred yards, you'll be on a sand beach. Oh my God, it's so and, metaphorical. Follow the light. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just trust. You can't see it, but have faith. Did you know you were getting close when he no. said that? No. I we, actually there was a, there's a lighthouse that where most people try to land, yeah. and I could see the lighthouse, and um, uh, and we weren't getting any closer to the lighthouse, and so I was sort of frustrated. And then for him to just all of a sudden pop off with this, you know, we're, we're done. And um, so it, um, but I still had to finish the swim, still had to get on dry land and all the rest. So, <clears throat> so Lance um, uh, shone that light in the water and I, you know, I'd been trusting this guy for 14 hours at this point. I wasn't about to stop. So um, we, uh, so I swam to, through that little, you know, light in the water and he was right. A you know, hundred yards later, I felt the sand and, and was able to, to kind of climb up and, and so on. The, one of the things about a long swim like this is that you, um, after being in the water for 10, 12, 14 hours, whatever, um, your legs don't work very well. <laughs> And um, so trying to stand up is a real challenge. And um, so I fell down a few times and, and so forth, but staggered up the beach. <clears throat> One of the, it, of course, the rule is that you have to finish on dry land. So here's a, a beach. It's three in the morning. It's starting to get cold. Um, I didn't know what constituted dry land. I was out of the water, but it was, you know. That's exactly what I was thinking is don't, <laughs> let's not mess it up here. Right. So I just figured I'd keep, and, and, they, and, the, and from the boat, they were watching me through this keyhole of light with this spot yeah. that Lance had. And um, so I just kept walking until they blew the horn and then I knew I was done. And it was. Um, so uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this because as soon as you feel sand on your body, that's dry land, right? No, it has to be the, it has to be land beyond the water is the way it's defined. Got it. So dry there's a, there's land. an ambiguity up right. until you know for sure. It's dry land. Got yeah. it. 
So the so the 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 final uh, I call it the final indignity of. Uh, of the English Channel swim is that you have to get back in the water and swim back to the boat, (laughs) (laughs) which again is all alone and and so forth. But one of the things that I wanted to do while I was on the, on the French beach was, um, was find a, a rock or a shell or something and, and so forth to bring back to Susan. And, um, because I, you know, this was, this was her accomplishment more than mine. And, and, um, so the, the, um, and I was on my hands and knees feeling around and, uh, again, it's just as dark as dark can be. And, um, uh, and, and couldn't find one, couldn't find a rock. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see anything. So I was trying to find a rock, couldn't find one. And, um, and for the first time in that, during that whole swim, uh, I started to get really cold oh, and, wow. um, uh, cause you know, you're, you're sort of running out of gas and, yeah. and the air temperature had fallen to the mid forties Oh my gosh. and, um, I'm in a wet speedo on, you know, so yeah, I you can't I, wear a wetsuit. I was going to ask that question. I envision you in a wetsuit, but you weren't no, in one. That's a, a, another rule. Wow. <laughs> so the, um, anything that how would, cold is the water? That was uh, 62 the whole way. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then the air temperature, you know, it plays a factor in how how cold you get and so forth. And so when I was on the beach and it was it was pretty chilly. I mean, it was the middle of the night and so forth. Um, the um, I we started. We have it all filmed on our website. Oh, okay, and we'll give the details of the website. Well, actually, give it now because we'll give it more than once. Alongswim.org. Is that right, correct? Right. Okay. Yeah. So um, uh, I said, you know, I'm, we're not going to get the we're not going to get a stone for Susan right now because yeah. I was getting cold in a big hurry. So um, uh, you have to get back in the cold water, yeah. uh, swim back to the boat, and and so forth. So for me, the real finish line was being able to get back on the boat Got and it. kind of celebrating with the kids and and um, and and Susan and and whatnot. So it was that was the that was the celebration. Awesome. And what's it like being on a boat for chasing this guy for fourteen hours? At the end. Well, beginning, middle, end. You tell me what what's coming to you. Well, it's actually it's actually a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We actually have a, a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, a lot of hand wringing, a lot of figuring things out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lose about half your crew to sickness, and you never know who you're going to lose. Well, and they, and you... they don't know they're going to get sick. I mean, it's just they you can't control certain you, things. You can't. You have to get sick and because you, you're going two two and a half miles an hour, and the boat is pitching. Oh. So a lot of times you can't stand. How did you do? Did you get sick? Sometimes I get sick, but I work through it. Mm. Susan's found some good uh, combinations of... Uh, oh, we take prescription drugs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just for the nausea. I mean, it's because yeah. it, it's... Well, as you know, I mean, uh, motion sickness can really knock we you We get down. these prescription yeah. patches. We eat very <clears throat> healthy food leading up to it, except that fish and chips thing. <laughs> that was not such a good call. Well, this is from your website. It is exhausting duty. Being a crew member during a marathon swim is, a, is as physically and mentally taxing as it is to be the swimmer. Now... I I honor everything that you and your family did, but there's no way that it's as hard as what you did. Well, it's dreadful, and True. I, you know, I think it isn't. It, it, I mean, we we make the best of it, but you know, for people who say I want a crew for him, you think no, you really don't. Yeah, yeah I mean, they don't know what they're really saying. No. Mm-hmm. Right. It sounds it's like a fun lot of and, hard work, and, well, you, and yeah. you get sick. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a nephew who was on this most recent swim in in Hawaii, um, and um, poor kid. I mean, he he got sick seven times uh. just on the way over there. I mean, that was even before the swim started. And, and um, I mean, he, it was just, and the, and the thing about motion sickness is even after you, even after you, you kind of flip lunch, uh, you don't, you don't, you're not you better. don't feel better. For I mean, sure. it just, yeah, yeah. And so it just stays. We don't even it. eat. We don't even have food on the boat. Oh, wow. Do you drink like what, well, you're not drinking what Doug's drinking, you're, but you're supposed to drink Gatorade type things like 
but but you you don't you just don't put anything on your stomach. How no. interesting! So you I'm don't gonna, go to the bathroom. Yeah. yeah, bodies. Yeah, the less your body has to do, the better. So I'm gonna give Doug some applause for the English <laughs> Channel so, and the other swim, the whole and, the Triple Crown, and all the other things, which is insane. So Doug did not stop there. In the second half of this interview, which we'll put up next week, you hear about his next big challenge and all the things that did not go right. Hope you'll join us. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also just tell a friend about our show. That's our favorite kind of marketing. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at comments at zenparentingradio.com. And get your early bird tickets for our big Let's Get Real Zen Parenting Conference February 24th and 25th at the Westin in Lombard. Todd and I will be speaking Friday night, and we have Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, and Ali Smith as our keynotes on Saturday. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. <laughs> On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals. The website is toddadamscoaching.com. And we also have a monthly men's group. So if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the tribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop on Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. If you want an amazing vehicle to teach your kids about money management, go to the lower right-hand side of our homepage and click on the FamZoo logo and enter Zen Finance as a promo code. I want to give a special thanks to our three partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, John J. Kelly Dentistry, and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support. Keep on trucking.